0: Good morning, good morning on this beautiful Earth weekend, Earth Day weekend, as we begin our celebration, where you may have been celebrating all year, we're going to sing a couple of hymns, and we invite you to join in with us. If you will grab your gray hymnal and open to number 21, we'll sing all four verses of For the Beauty of the Earth an old standard. You <laughs> <laughs> you've got that hymnal out, flip back a few pages to number 10, Immortal Love. for singing with us. The choir is now going to sing a song that we did a few months back. It's called, More To Me. And it talks about being seen for who you are and being seen beneath the surface. There is so much more to me. So please sit back and enjoy this anthem from the choir. Let there be. Just in time.
1: you You have to look much farther than what's right beneath your nose, and if you take the no longer
0: invite you to rise and buddy your spirit for the call to worship.
2: is the moment now, when like the ancient ones we gather in ritual, fire, rhythm, and word. This is the moment, right now, to be who you are, to be all that you are, and to love who you love, because no one exists apart from the holy, and there have been no mistakes. This is the moment now to bring your thinking mind and your wild heart, your love for this earth and for the sacred gift of your life. Now, by our gathering, we create a sanctuary for remembering, for being, for loving, and for summoning our powers to heal. Come, let us worship together.
0: If you would grab your turquoise hymnal and open to number 1053, I'm going to invite us all to sing How Could Anyone Ever Tell You You Were Anything Less Than Beautiful by the wonderful Libby Roderick. She wrote this in 1988, and this song has gone around the world so many times, sung for all kinds of different groups of people who need to have their humanity and their beauty and their worth affirmed by those around us so this is a short song we're gonna sing it through a number of times so each time you sing through think of somebody who you know who may need this message somebody you don't know who may need this message maybe it's you who needs this message how could anyone ever tell you you were less than whole how could anyone fail to notice that your loving is a miracle how deeply You're connected to my soul. So, we're going to create a warm, loving musical embrace for the whole room with this song.
3: Please be seated. How could they? <sighs> Hello. <laughs> Here we are, another day of sunlight, Res- resistance, child care, a planet, shared visions of tomorrow. In some cases, literally tomorrow, Monday the 24th, (laughs) committees, coffee and other things to put in our bodies, abiding universal love, more coffee, or more of that hour by the same name. I am Blake. What a gift it is to welcome you all to First Unitarian Church of Albuquerque. With a click, a roll, a dawdle, a sachet, a depleted stumble to the finish line of one's week, we reach this space. And we hold space for those who have not, either by chance or by choice, conscious that there remain barriers to the community we hold. If this is the moment, for whatever reason, those barriers relent, relent and you find yourself here or here again after a time, You're as much a part of this time, this celebration, this work, as anyone. One queer thing about this church is we do worship a little different here. As we all yearn for the kind of quiet the church provides, we welcome the noises that may punctuate the quiet, the gurgles, the beeps, and buzzes. The notes to self said aloud, the scooch of a chair, laughter, crying out if the spirit moves you. Caregivers, it can be just as hard, it can be hard enough just getting here. We welcome your children in all of their curious squirmy selves. Down front, we have a pray ground where you are welcome to play or pray. There's a table in the back with crayons and other things to color with, or you may prefer the privacy of the family room across the hall with a live feed of the sanctuary and more room to let loose. Thank you for joining us on this Sunday.
4: You into a time of meditation. Perhaps closing your eyes if that helps you calm your mind. Take a few slow breaths. With each breath, relaxing a bit more. With each breath, finding yourself more present in this moment. Notice the space that we're in. Allow yourself to notice the sounds of my voice and of other less obvious sounds that you might be hearing. Notice what you feel around you. People, furniture, the ground. And then imagine yourself moving up and away from all those things, seeing them at a slight distance. Imagine moving through whatever barriers have been keeping you right here, just floating up and out away from the space where you were. Imagine seeing where you were as if you are a bird, seeing the building, the street, still clear, but now further away. Allow yourself to float out even more. Now you're seeing the outlines of Albuquerque, seeing it from up above, moving slowly away, floating upwards. Maybe now the barriers are less clear and you're just seeing land, mountains, forest, rock, and you're seeing our precious water too. You're floating further out until you notice that it's quiet. And you're just seeing the breathtaking beauty of the earth, just floating in space, watching this beautiful planet in stillness. Grateful praise we come together to share our prayers For the earth For those we love and care about For those we don't know and offer prayers anyway Because we know we are all connected At the sound of the chime I invite you to say those names aloud all those people who are on your mind and heart this morning. We lift up all these people, places, cares, to the great powers of healing and renewal known by many names to the great mystery that helps us know we are not alone. This weekend we celebrate Earth Day. Earth Day, a love story. A love story better even than Valentine's Day. A love story and a gratitude story. Dear Earth, Thank you for the small red and black beetle running across a billion year old rock. That rock, a time capsule of days before and a space for a lizard to emerge and scuttle around a Choya whose flowers are just about to burst open spirit of life, and essence of this earth, thank you for teaching us rootedness, connectedness, for letting us feel the breeze of letting go and the groundedness to just be, for showing us how to rely on one another, For having all that we need to live. Dear Earth, a love story and a gratitude story. Because we are small and fragile and we need you. May we remain humble and loving and here. Amen. Peace be with you.
0: Alan Stringer served this church as music director for 19 years from 1994 to 2013. At his retirement, he was named Music Director Emeritus and our renovated Steinway Grand Piano was dedicated to his years of service here. After he passed away, we held a Memorial Tribute Concert for Allen in the sanctuary in 2019 with multiple choirs singing pieces of music written by Alan. Allen was dedicated to first use Earthweb and also to LGBTQ, IA++ writes, he was an early director of both the New Mexico Gay Men's Chorus and New Mexico Women's Chorus, back in a time when such choirs served as affirming outlets for folks who were worried about being openly gay. The New Mexico Gay Men's Chorus was founded in 1981 with the name The Brash Ensemble. So you can imagine how supportive a community it must have been back in that decade. Alan's beautiful recasting of Amazing Grace opens with the poignant lines, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saves such souls as mine. We're often lost and often found in seeking the divine. You will also hear Alan's original counter melody that celebrates the wonders and beauties of the natural world. This is Amazing Grace by Alan Stringer.
3: The Low Road, by Marge Piercy. What can they do to you? Whatever they want. They can set you up. They can bust you. They can break your fingers. They can burn your brain with electricity, blur you with drugs till you can't walk can't remember, they can take your child, wall up your lover, they can do anything you can't stop them from doing. How can you stop them? Alone, you can fight, you can refuse. You can take what revenge you can, but they roll over you. But two people fighting back to back cut through a mob. A snake dancing file can break a cordon. An army can meet an army, two people can keep each other sane, can give support, conviction, love, massage, hope, sex. Three people are a delegation, a committee, a wedge. With four, you can play bridge and start an organization. With six, you can rent a whole house, eat pie for dinner with no seconds, and hold a fundraising party. A dozen make a demonstration. A hundred fill a hall. A thousand have solidarity and your own newsletter. Ten thousand power and your own paper. A hundred thousand, your own media. Ten million, your own country. It goes on one at a time. It starts when you care to act. It starts when you do it again. And they said no. Start some... You say, we, and know who you mean, and each day, you mean one more.
2: Yes, Blake. Our denomination, the Unitarian Universalist Association, has been on record, affirming the rights, worth, and dignity of gay and lesbian people since the 1970s. The UUA was only formed in 1961, so it got moving on that pretty quick as far as church goes, as far as denominations go. We talk about things moving at about the speed of church around here. And our denomination is made up of about 1,000 churches, as it was back then. And that does not tend to make things go faster. Our denomination openly supported gay people in the 1970s and 80s. But within congregations, gay people didn't always feel welcome and supported. They experienced microaggressions and exclusion and outright obvious discomfort from straight members who were not accustomed to gay people being so visible. This was the era when gay rights took off. This was the time of Stonewall and Harvey Milk and pride parades were new and gay choruses were new and the whole movement was powered by visibility. That is what made it effective. It turns out practically everyone knows someone who is gay, And when you realize that, and when gayness is not just a controversy out there, but is an actual human being whom you care about, then you understand why inclusion is important and right. In the 1980s, the UUA created the Welcoming Congregations Program to help congregations grow in awareness and equality and love and to become more truly welcoming in practice. Many churches, including this one, joined in and earned the Welcoming Congregations designation. So if you look up First Unitarian of Albuquerque on the UUA's national website and find us, the Welcoming Congregation badge is right there next to our names still. Since then, transgender visibility has increased, along with many more stripes in that LGBTQ plus rainbow, intersex and non-binary identities, asexual and pansexual identities, just to name a few. And that Welcoming Congregations program has been updated This year, I would like for our congregation to renew its welcoming congregation status. So I'm looking for a group of folks who want to help lead that process this year. And if you are interested in volunteering for that, let me know. Another thing that happened is that as LGBTQ became LGBTQIA+++, people realized duh, that sexuality and gender just don't fit that neatly into boxes, no matter how many boxes you make. And the term queer was embraced as a kind of umbrella term for all the kinds of folks who are something other than heterosexual and cisgender, cis meaning same as in the same gender you were assigned at birth. Why do we need a label for everyone who is not cisgender and heterosexual? Because straight cisgender norms are so dominant from who is in movies to the way bathrooms are designed and used and how clothing is organized in stores and who benefits from laws and what kind of healthcare is available. Queer is a coalition term. It is collective visibility when being visible alone can lead to death. And queer is more than that. It's also a verb, but I'm gonna talk about that in just a second. We've had a lot of programs around queer identities here at the church. There was a group called the Lavender Family that gathered for years. There were potlucks for queer newcomers. We host educational events like Transgender 101 just last week. We have a trans and non-binary group and you use always turn out for the Pride Parade, usually with our middle and high schoolers, front and center. In January, we adopted the eighth principle. The eighth principle, which made dismantling racism and other oppressions in ourselves and our institutions an explicit core value of our church. We made that the heart of the church, one of the core principles. And you use have the OWL program. OWL stands for Our Whole Lives. That's a lifespan, a whole lifelong sex ed program with classes for kindergartners and senior citizens and everybody in between. It is positive, it is science-based, it is affirming of gender and sexual diversity, and it has been called life-saving. This is not hyperbole. You may have noticed that there is a huge wave of anti-trans and anti-gay legislation happening all across our country right now, including legislation that bans even mentioning queerness in schools, even if you're a school counselor counseling a student, which, by the way, violates the American Counseling Association's code of ethics, having a law like that constrain you. Here's what I'm talking about, in 2018, 42 bills targeting queer people were introduced in state legislatures. In 2018, 42 bills were introduced. In 2022, there were 180 bills introduced, anti-gay or anti-trans. That was in 2022, 180. This year, there were 417. That is a wave. It's actually truly life-saving to have access to affirming, science-based, sexuality education. Reverend Bob and our Director of Religious Education, Mia Norin, and one of our board members, Chris Mayo, are at an OWL training in Colorado today, getting ready to teach some more of those classes here at the church. What a lucky minister I am to serve a church such as this. When it was time for me to come out as queer a couple of years ago, I did not have to worry about losing my job. But queer people still face hostility. When I said that I was going to come out, one person in my family reacted by saying, what will people tell their children? What will people tell their children? At this church, we've already told our children everything they need to know. (laughs) that they were born already holy, and their questions, identities, and loves are sacred. And to that, you can add that their minister loves them and will fight to the end for them, whether they are queer or straight. The fact that this congregation is so welcoming is why people of all ages feel safe exploring their identities here. I've heard stories of members coming out at church first, before they came out in other places in their life. And I think it's why in this time of anti-gay, anti-trans laws and violence-stoking rhetoric, like calling gay people groomers again, like in the 1960s, I think it's why in this climate the number and the visibility of queer people in our congregation has grown. And my heart melts to be a minister of such a place. So recently when I heard that a couple of different people had asked, is this a queer church now? I thought, yeah, hasn't it always been? Right? I don't know the context in which the question was asked, but I wanted to talk about it because I notice that people don't usually comment on who is visible unless it is a marginalized group of some kind. Nobody's asked, Why the people on this platform all seem to be so able-bodied most of the time. Or why we are almost always native speakers of English. But recently, one person did complain that we sure do have to hear a lot of things from a woman's perspective here at First Unitarian. (laughs) Women, am I right? (laughs) Right. When a group that's been historically underrepresented gets representation, that can feel unsettling to those who are not accustomed to seeing or hearing from them. And if you have some difficulty with diversity, that bias might come out in the form of what's going on around here, which makes the diversity sound abnormal and the lack of diversity sound normal. A poll done by the research group YouGov showed that when Americans try to guess the size of minority demographic groups, they rarely get it right, sometimes to a kind of a comedic degree, it would, or it would be funny if it didn't have real-life implications. Respondents to the poll guessed that gay and lesbian people make up about 30% of the population, but it's actually about 3%. They thought 29% of people are bisexual. Actual number, 4%. And they estimated that 21% of people are transgender. (laughs) The actual number is around 0.6%, we think. So less than 1%. Making transgender people gems in the human population. A Gallup poll included an other category for people who identify as anything other than heterosexual and transgender, even if it hadn't been listed in the survey. And you, when you put it all together in that Gallup poll, about 7.2% of the American population identifies with at least one kind of queer category. So 7.2%. The same overestimating happens with race and religion, by the way. Muslim Americans, people estimated They were 27% of the population. Reality, 1%. Jewish Americans, estimated 30%. Reality, 2%. Black Americans, people estimated 41%. Reality, 12%. So I want to lift up the fact that depending on how it's asked and by whom, the question is this a queer church now, can reflect a form of prejudice. And that overestimating then can have a negative impact on efforts to increase diversity by spreading a perception that there's already too much. But hear this. What if we are extra queer? What if we are a queer church? What does it mean to be a queer church? Who would this church be for? And who would it not be for? This week, folks in our congregation's trans and non-binary group discussed this question. And one member, who's also a board member of the church, Emilia, wrote to me with this reflection and gave me permission to share this, this little excerpt of the reflection. Emilia wrote, Any space where I bring my whole authentic self is a queer space. Any space that genuinely requests that I bring my whole self and provides the welcome and the support to justify the request is a queer space. Any space that allows for an understanding of authentic self and how it either aligns with or does not align with normative expectations is a queer space for everyone involved. Normative is a word that means about what it sounds like, like the norm, like what people think of as normal. Emilia continues, I can't exist in a community that is not queered without full personal repression. I believe that is true of cisgender heterosexual people as well. So cisgender straight people are also repressed in spaces that aren't queer, I agree. I agree with that, actually. I think that's true because when a person is free to love who they love and to be their authentic self, then we are all freer. And when any person is not free to do so, then none of us is truly free because we are all living in that same jail. It's just that not everybody has tried the door. Right? And I love Emilia's reflection because it's so radically inclusive and because inclusion is at the heart of what queerness is. I mentioned earlier the idea of queer as a verb. To queer something is to question the parts of it that are considered normal and natural. We queer gender when we say, are there really only two genders? Why insist on that and that that's normal and natural when there have always been humans who did not fit in those, always. And queer theology takes it to religious ideas, saying, for example, why do people fixate on the story of God making a man and a woman, and they say, like, that is what God intended and no more, but they don't look at the story of God separating day from night and call twilight an abomination. (laughs) Why? And by the way, I think we can all agree that God does not literally have a gender, right? God does not literally have a gender. But if that is the case, then God is queer. <laughs> By the way, right? Resistance is our theological theme this month, and queer theology began as a form of resistance. People who were told that their gayness or their gender identity were bad or evil and they knew that couldn't be true and who observed the harm those teachings caused and also observed the beautiful forms of love those teachings ignored, those people became suspicious. And they became suspicious that not only were those teachings harmful, but they also reflected a particular set of cultural and historic norms and they reinforced current power structures not timeless wisdom or ultimate truth. First there were gay male theologians and then lesbian women theologians and eventually queer theology grew out of the gaps in that valuable work. Queer theology grew out of asking what is still being unsaid unseen and left out Queer Christian theologians argue that Christ always stood outside of the norm and troubled the categories and essentially queered the world. He hung out with diverse outcasts and he scolded society for excluding them. Queer theologians also note that conceiving a baby by the Holy Spirit is not heteronormative, (laughs) okay? take that out and share it right (laughs) it's not heteronormative God in that Jesus story is personally demonstrating that one man one woman is just not what God always intends there's also a lot of queer Jewish theologians lots of them doing cool work right now and I'm going to talk more about that next month when I preach on Jewish creation stories in a journal article tracing the development of queer theology Theologians Laurel Schneider and Carolyn Roncolato trace the history of queer theology from gay and lesbian origins through gender diversity into its more current engagement with race and decolonization and other issues, other issues that have been unseen, right, unsaid. And they conclude by saying this. The ancient theological traditions that remind people of divine otherness, that resist fully conceptualizing God or spirit, and that resist confidence in divine purity or disembodiment are good starting places for what we can confidently call queer theology. So divine otherness, resisting conceptualizing God or spirit, too much resisting putting that in a box, and resisting confidence in divine purity or disembodiment, like God is out there somewhere, not part of this world, right? That sounds like unitary universalism to me. (laughs) Divine otherness, in other words, God represents diversity, the other, right? God is not, say, just a white man, and whether we believe in God or not, I'm pretty sure we can all agree on that, yeah? God is not just a white man. And UUs certainly do resist fully conceptualizing God or spirit. We don't put God in a box or a creed to the point that some have asked whether this is really a religion, and I'm going to preach on that too at the end of June. It's a great question. Fascinating. And UUs resist the idea that God, the source of all, the spirit of life, is somehow like pure and separate from this world we talk about horizontal theology here the spirit within and among and in fact the architecture of this sanctuary is meant to emphasize just that we don't have any mysterious dark recesses up in an ornate ceiling hiding some mysterious god that we can't see god as the man up there right instead We're all here together in this light, and big windows connect us with the natural world and even the city that's just right here with us. And there is power with and power among, and a circle that just keeps getting wider, where, to borrow the words of Marge Piercy, we say we, and we know who we mean, and each day, we mean one more.
5: Hi, good morning. So today we're beginning a short campaign to raise money for a new roof and cooling system for our RE and office buildings. You'll be seeing work begin on this critical project soon, no matter what, but our goal over the next three weeks is to raise as much as we can now to avoid the considerable interest expense on a larger loan. For me, this project goes to the heart of First Unitarian. I don't remember exactly when I first walked under the RE building's roof but I was almost definitely carrying two baby seats or holding two toddlers' hands. And Back then, I had no idea who those babies might grow up to be, what identities, sorry, I lost my spot, what identities they'd grow into or what beliefs they'd hold dear. They were just cute little bundles of potential, you know? Now, 20 years later, when I look at my children and all the kids they grew up with in RE, I see brave young adults, supported in exploring who they are, and committed to justice and kindness. I know they were nurtured in the queer space under the RE building roof. Meeting and looking up to and being loved by all the beautiful kinds of people who call this church home. I hope the bundles of potential that I see on our campus today will receive the same shelter and inclusion that mine did. They'll need this joyous village They'll also need a roof. (laughs) Over the next three weeks, you'll be receiving emails and mailings about this campaign, and you can stop by a table in the social hall after the service if you have questions. There's information in today's order of service on how to give. You can make a gift today or over the next few Sundays by marking an envelope with roof and dropping it in the collection basket or in the church office. Thank you, and on behalf of this important campaign, I promise we'll keep it short, <laughs> just three weeks. Uh, then we'll have a party and we'll celebrate together. So let's raise the roof. <laughs> this quarter, loose coins and envelopes marked change for the future go to Seed to Need, a nonprofit volunteer organization dedicated to reducing hum- hunger in our community by growing fresh fruits and vegetables and donating it to local food pantries. With gratitude, we'll now take the offering.
0: In 1989, 29-year-old composer Jonathan Larson began working on a rock musical update of Puccini's La Boheme. Larson suggested setting the play, and I quote, amid poverty, homelessness, spunky gay life, drag queens, and punk, end quote, whose characters lived in the East Village of Manhattan under the shadow of HIV AIDS. The show's title, Rent, was a play on words, not only coming up with money to pay for a place to live, but rent in the sense of being torn apart. In an interview on January 24th, 1996, after the musical's final dress rehearsal, Larson noted the coincidence that the show was opening exactly 100 years after Puccini's opera. Larson would not live to see Rents' success. He died the next morning from an undiagnosed aortic aneurysm. Seasons of Love is the best-known song from the musical. Counting out the year, first in seconds, and ultimately, in love. Seasons of Love.
1: 525,600 minutes 525,000 bones oh dear. 525,600 minutes. How do you measure, measure a year? In daylights, in sunsets, in midnights, in cups of coffee, in inches, in miles of laughter striving. 525,000. 600 minutes, how do you measure a year in the life, how about love?
4: Will you join me in blessing our offerings this morning thank you so much for all the generous generosity for us to live out our mission in the community thank you for making it possible for us to do that and as we're talking about gratitude and generosity As we're talking about generosity and gratitude, I just wanted to lift up all the volunteers that are helping make it possible for us to run a three-week campaign to raise the roof. Thank you for helping helping to make sure that we're going to be able to keep that space available for more love and more bravery and all those future generations that are going to emerge from that building over there. So thank you. Three weeks. I think we have a couple of invitations
3: we do. You're invited to a workshop hosted by the Leadership Succession Committee and taught by the delightful Nancy Bowen. Nancy will help participants discover their learning style and preferences when it comes to plugging in here at First You. Every member has something to offer. Come find out how you fit in and make some new friends in the process. That workshop is Saturday, May 6th, 10 o'clock, to 1230 in Memorial Hall. Childcare will be provided. There will be a table, uh, table in the social hall after the service where you get more info. And also after the 11 o'clock service, this service, grab a drink uh, or a snack and join us for our weekly chat tables. An informal, lightly facilitated conversation about today's service. And for anyone looking to continue exploring today's topic, um, we have a special question um, to consider, uh, and that is what do you queer? Just could be what a place that you queer, uh, and for whom? So, what do you queer and, and for whom? It could be for yourself, it could be um, queering your own queerness, um, childhood, you know, child raising. Um, so, that, that should be good food for thought. <laughs>
4: And you might not know, either because you're a newcomer today or because there's lots of stuff that happens in this congregation, that this is the last week of our amazing after school tutoring program. These flowers here are for the 30 tutors that have helped out with that program. Yes. (laughs) Amazing program. Thank you. And speaking of newcomers, we love our newcomers here. Is there anyone that's visiting for the first or second time today who would feel brave enough to just raise your hand and let us give you some applause? Welcome. Welcome. We're so glad that you're here today. And would you all rise in body or spirit for our peace greeting Place one hand on your heart and the other extended out to all these beautiful folks around you. We are so glad to be in this community with all of you.
0: And as you finish greeting your neighbors, please grab that gray hymnal again, open to number 170. We are a gentle, angry people. The real name of that hymn is we are singing for our lives. And we're gonna start out with the first couple of verses that are there, but we're gonna add some additional verses that Holly Near has included, as in we are gay, straight, trans together, and we are all in this together. So if you don't know which words to sing next, just pay attention to Elia over here they will call them out so we are a gentle angry people
1: we are a gentle angry people and we are sick- We are justice-seeking people, and we are singing, singing for our lives. We are justice-seeking people, and we are singing, singing for our lives. We
0: are young and old together. together.
2: whether you yes okay all right <laughs> whether you travel straight ahead or whether you go gaily forward <laughs> go in peace friends and may love bless you and keep you until we're gathered again blessed be